What'd you say? You do here. Sports. Sports. All day long. Hello, sports fans. You're listening to CE Sports here on Thunder 91.1 KSUU. Welcome to CE Sports live right now here on Thunder 91.1 KSUU. Free agency frenzy is over. The Sharks are fed. And tonight we will be looking at how different the NFL landscape is now. Final words on who got better and who got worse today here on CE Sports. Wow. I just love free agency. I've been the past month. I've been talking about it so much. I just, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. This is where the NFL changes. This is where teams get better. And it's so much fun for me to watch. I love seeing all these moves. I love trying to predict which moves are best, which ones are not so good, who's going to work where, all that kind of stuff. It's so fun. And, you know, it's crazy to me how early some people start doing mock drafts. Okay, the draft is always in April. But, like, I'm not kidding. I have already seen 2022 mock drafts out there. And the 2021 draft hasn't even happened yet. I'm not kidding. You can go look them up. There are some out there. It's ridiculous. The reality is, though, you can't do a proper mock draft until after free agency starts. Because that's when holes are created and or filled. Just a quick example, the Denver Broncos. Their biggest need is obviously quarterback, but at pick number nine, they might not get one of the top dudes. Most of the mocks that I've seen and or done myself have the Broncos taking a corner at nine. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? The Broncos just added two starting caliber corners during free agency, so that hole is filled. All those mock drafts that had the Denver Broncos taking Caleb Farley at number nine are wrong. Everyone thought they were going at corner at nine, but that hole's filled. It's not a hole anymore. They can go somewhere else. That's why, in my opinion, it's always best to wait until after free agency to start doing mock drafts because so many guys move around. Teams going in, teams go into the offseason with, with holes. Everybody has holes. No roster is perfect. But then those holes get filled by free agency first. And then teams look towards the draft to build for the future. Let's keep talking about the Broncos though. Man, have they killed it this offseason. Killed it. I love it. In his first week as general manager, George Payton picked up Von Miller's option, cut Kareem Jackson, brought back Shelby Harris for three years, added Ronald Darby for three years, Kyle Fuller for one year, and Mike Boone for two years. Then... He gave Justin Simmons, one of the best safeties in the league, a huge four-year extension. Oh, and today they brought back Kareem Jackson for one year after he didn't sign elsewhere. The only big name they lost was Philip Lindsay, who signed with the Texans for a one-year deal, which sucks. But uh, he's not he's not the type of running back you build around. It's it's hard to see. I would definitely prefer Philip Lindsay over Melvin Gordon, but it would cost too much money to cut Melvin Gordon right now. Philip Lindsay doesn't fit the offensive scheme that they're trying. I mean, looking at everything else the Broncos did, if it takes losing Philip Lindsay, I would probably take it every offseason. 
huge moves for the new man in charge. I was so excited when I heard Kyle Fuller would be released last week. So excited. It dragged on, actually, because they tried to trade him. First, they said they were going to cut him. Then they tried to trade him because so many teams were interested. But after a couple days, they eventually landed on just cutting him. And get this, Kyle Fuller was a free agent for 34 minutes. 34 minutes after he was cut, he agreed to terms with the Broncos. You know, in some places, you can get... uh, it would take longer to get a pizza delivered. 34 minutes. (laughs) And it makes sense. Kyle Fuller played for Vic Fangio in Chicago, and he was an All-Pro in 2018. That's when the Bears had the number one defense in the league. It was crazy. Kyle Fuller was amazing that year. Then Fangio left for Denver. Everybody knew this was coming. As soon as the rumblings started coming out about Kyle Fuller leaving the Bears, everybody knew that the Broncos were the number one spot. He turned down more money from other teams. He knows, you know, they may not be the best team in the league. They have, they're in the same conference as Patrick Mahomes. It's always going to be hard to be amazing. But he knows that Vic Fangio is the right coach for him. That's what led him to Denver. And now the defense is set, especially after they brought back Kareem Jackson. Guys, the defense is set. I'm not kidding. They have the best safety duo in the league graded by Pro Football Focus. They were both top five safeties last year. Justin Simmons was all pro. Kareem Jackson, he had a pretty good year as well. He was an all pro back in 2018 as well for what it's worth. New guy Ronald Darby, he led the league in deflections last year, and he should be huge if he can stay healthy. Keyword, should be. Um, you know, last year was actually his first 16 game season of his career. So, uh, little bit of a glass cannon, I guess you could say. We'll see what happens there, but on paper, they should be good. On top of that, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb should be one of the best pass rush duos in the league. We haven't seen them at full strength together for almost two years. Really, the only weak spot that I can think of, and this is getting nitpicky, is inside linebacker where they could use a guy that can run and better cover Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey. But, I mean, come on. Who can cover those guys, you know? Like I said, on paper, this defense is dangerous. As long as they can stay healthy, they are, I'm not kidding, they're going to be a top five top five defense in the league. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. I'm serious when I say that they're a quarterback away from being a playoff team. This roster is built for success right now. You look at it. Barring injury, top five defense, no problem. Offensively, they're bursting at the seams with weapons. It's all up to the quarterback now. Watson's not going to be talked about because of his situation. So for me, the best case scenario in a month is that Justin Fields falls to number nine. If not, they can trade down and stock up on picks for next year, then trade for Gardner Minshew, who can come in and compete with Drew Locke. They'll push each other. Best man will come out on top. Boom. Fingers crossed, baby. You look at what the Broncos did in uh, this offseason, though, and they have the luxury of trading down at number nine. Um, They did sign Kyle Fuller to only a one-year deal. He's going to be a free agent a year from now. 
So the Broncos may still want to address the corner position in the draft so they can develop somebody for the future. But they're not locked into any certain position at number nine. They have the luxury of waiting to see how the board falls and then attacking. I really doubt they're going to trade up for a quarterback. That would surprise me. But, you know, at nine, somebody could fall. Uh, I've seen lots of scenarios where Justin Fields falls, and it would not it would not surprise me at all. A lot of people have gotten cold on Justin Fields, and, you know, maybe, maybe he won't end up being good. But from what I've seen from him, from what I saw uh, against Clemson, if he's there at nine, I want Denver to pull the trigger. Even Trey Lance is worth consideration. It, it, it will definitely be a hard decision to make. It's all going to depend on, I think, number one, what happens with Deshaun Watson. Number two, what happens with other quarterback needy teams? You know, are there going to be guys from outside the top 10 trying to trade in? You know, the Patriots, the Bears. I think they're going to be sending phone calls in to come and grab a guy. So maybe Denver will get a really, really good trade package that they can just not pass up. We'll see what happens, but bottom line is, is Denver has that luxury to trade down and still get better. If they stock up on picks next year, they're going to be even better next year. Plus, they can have extra ammunition to, uh, you know, look at it this way. Say they trade down to Chicago and uh, they still get Chicago's 20-whatever pick. They can take Greg Newsom in the first from uh, Northwestern. In that trade, Chicago would send some other picks plus their first-round pick next year. That means Denver would have two first-round picks next year, a corner that can sit and develop this year, plus ammunition to send to Jacksonville for Gardner Minshew. Boom! Denver, hire me. Add me to your staff. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> no, seriously though, I'm gonna I'm gonna come out with some mock drafts here pretty soon. We've got about a month until the draft. I'm gonna try to do about one or two per week. It's it's all heating up. Pro days are going on right now. It's really exciting. I just saw Kyle Pitts today. Jeez, six six, two hundred forty pounds, four point four six forty yard dash. It's that's not fair, dude. That's really similar to the numbers that Darren Waller put up actually at his pro day. I saw um, Kyle Pitts. He could be one of the best prospects that we've seen in the draft. And it sucks because he's he's a tight end, so he's not getting talked about very much. But wherever this guy goes, he's going to be he's going to be great, man. I, I'm excited to see Kyle Pitts in the NFL. Anyways, I'm getting on a tangent. Let's go to break. Coming up next, let's talk about what makes a good coach. Then, after that, I'll have my way-too-early playoff predictions. More on that later here on CE Sports Live on Thunder 91. Welcome back to CE Sports. We are live right now here in the studio at Thunder 91.1 KSUU at the beautiful Southern Utah University. Earlier, I just talked about the Broncos, how in love I am with their offseason, even though they lost Philip Lindsay. He's a fan favorite. It sucks to see him go, but man, they have killed it from all angles. I, I got to say, new general manager, George Payton, he earned himself a fan over here. But let's move on. 
you guys don't want to hear about the Broncos all the time. No. Instead, let's talk about this, okay? I got thinking, with so many coaches getting hired every year, and so many young coaches getting hired, that's kind of like the new thing now is to go get this young, exciting guru who's supposed to come in and save your team and implement this new, uh, exciting style, all because of Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. But how do you know if a, if a young coach is good, especially when after their first season, you know, they're, they're with a bad team. You look at Kyle Shanahan, they were sub 500 his first year as a 49er, but nobody was questioning if he was a good coach or not. By then he had already established himself as one of the brightest offensive minds in the league. So how can you tell if a coach is good when the team is bad? Well, lots of teams had first and second year coaches last year. But let's take a look in particular at the one I'm most excited about. The New York Giants. They finished 6-12, and but if you look at what they did last year, especially there in that last half, they impressed me. They showed a lot of potential for their future. Nobody on that roster quit. They're 6-12. and 12. They could have easily given up. They easily could have tanked and finished with a top five pick. But no, instead of giving up, they visibly got better. I'm not going to lie. I don't watch much Giants football because they suck. They're boring. They have not been good for like 10 years. But in the games that I did watch last year, I watched a couple in the beginning and then a couple in the middle and a couple in the end. And they got better. Their best player, Saquon Barkley, he went down in week two. They lost a bunch of games after that. But nobody gave up. They started off the second half of the season winning four games in a row. Weeks 9 through 13. Okay, admittedly, those wins were against, well, Washington. They were a playoff team. Philadelphia, Cincinnati, and Seattle. So that's two playoff teams that they beat. They also beat Washington earlier in the season, week six. So the team that ended up winning the NFC East, Washington, this New York team beat them twice. And they were able to do that all with a crappy offense. For a team that has barely any weapons and a below-average quarterback, they played pretty freaking well. How? Well, it's obvious by this point. Look at their head coach, Joe Judge. Guess where he came from, too? New England. <laughs> the Yeah, remember how last season everybody started talking about how Bill Belichick's overrated, blah, blah, blah. Look at his coaching tree, man. Yeah, you got the Bill O'Brien. But look at Brian Flores down in Miami. Look at what Joe Judge did for New York. These young coaches that worked for Belichick for a little bit, then they're branching off and getting their own opportunities. They're doing pretty good. Okay. He was a special teams coordinator for New England. But over in New York, he built a defensive philosophy that works. Their defense finished number 12, according to Pro Football Focus, which is incredible 
considering the horrible offense that they had. Like I mentioned, Saquon Barkley was out. Sterling Shepard missed games. Golden Tate missed games. Daniel Jones is not a very good run, or quarterback. Evan Ingram, too inconsistent. So considering what they had offensively, a number 12 finish by pro football focus is <laughs> look out. But that's just last year. Throw in the last week. What have they done in free agency to get better? They just added a Dory Jackson. He got cut by the Tennessee Titans, and he's looking to fit in over in New York. On top of that, on offense, they went and added the best free agent wide receiver, Kenny Galladay. Plus next year they'll be getting Saquon Barkley back. Throw in the fact that they pick at number 11. I like what I'm seeing from the Giants right now, baby. They could be a surprise playoff team next year. It wouldn't be a surprise to me. It'll be a surprise to you because you probably think the Giants suck, but I promise you they do not. They're going to be good. Their defense, I love some of their defensive players. Jabril Peppers, underrated. Their defensive secondary, James Bradbury, Logan Ryan, and Adoree Jackson. That's a stellar corner group right there. Defensive line, Leonard Williams. So good. Obviously, they still have holes. Linebacker, edge rusher. Their offense isn't very good. We'll see. But I, I, they're in the NFC East. How good do you have to be, you know? Washington went to the playoffs with no offense, so. I, I think the Giants will make the playoffs. Speaking of playoffs, though, I discovered something about the NFL playoffs, and you won't want to miss it. Coming up here on CE Sports. You're listening to CE Sports. My name is Krishna Sparza, as always, coming at you. Free agency just ended, and earlier I talked about why sometimes it's silly when people do mock drafts way too early. So I guess from that perspective, what I'm about to do may be a little silly, but I wanted to jump on it as soon as I can, especially because I think free agency plays quite a big part in what I'm about to talk about. So let's go on. Every year from each conference, two to three teams that made the playoffs end up missing it the year after for whatever reason. They lose talent, they suffer from injuries, yada, yada, yada. Now, it's hard to predict injuries. Look at the 49ers as a prime example. But the biggest signings from free agency have come and gone. So as far as that, let's look at who I predict will take a step back next year. So I've divided all of the 2020 playoff teams into four categories. Safe, step back but still making it, borderline could make it, and won't make it. They will fall out of the playoffs. All right, first round. These teams are safe. Buffalo, Indianapolis Colts, Los Angeles Rams, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Looking at these teams, they are clearly at the tops of their divisions. They should make it easily, barring injury. Buffalo, Josh Allen was huge last year. Revelation. One of the best improvements by any quarterback from season to season that has ever been seen. Stephon Diggs, outstanding year last year. 
Um, their defense has a couple issues, but I don't think anybody in the AFC East is going to be challenging these guys. The Buffalo Bills will make it to the playoffs. The Colts, I love the Carson Wentz trade. I love Chris Ballard. They're going to be at the top of that division, especially with all the dysfunction in uh, all the other organizations. Los Angeles, I love the Matthew Stafford trade. Sean, Mc Sean McVay is an excellent coach. Their defense was number one last year. They're going to take a huge step back because they lost their coordinator, Brandon Staley. But, you know, with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, you're going to have a really good unit regardless of who's coaching you. They should be really good next year. Of course, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady. Uh, looking at everybody else in the AF or NFC South, the Buccaneers should be at the top of that. So those four teams, Bills, Colts, Rams, and Bucks, top of their divisions, they are safe. Step back, but still making it. Kansas City and Green Bay. Okay, both of these guys showed issues in the playoffs last year that haven't been addressed yet. But they still have Hall of Fame quarterbacks that should lift them past most issues. You look at the Kansas City Kansas City Chiefs. That was a rough Super Bowl. Okay, they had Mitchell Schwartz out, their other tackle out, Mike Remmers. It, it was rough. They they did bring back Remmers. They ended up giving him a deal, but look at the tape. Yeah, he's not that good. <laughs> um, let's see. What else do they do? They added Joe Tooney, a guard. Lots of lists have that as one of the worst contracts in free agency. Why would the Chiefs, who are about to pay Patrick Mahomes $40 million a year, $45 million a year, why would they make this guy the highest paid guard in the league? In a couple of years, this roster might fall apart. I'm not kidding. They did have a lot of people restructure, including Patrick Mahomes, to free up some cap space, but you can't do that every year. You can't just keep pushing problems down the road. Eventually, it's going to come back to haunt you. Look at Tyreek Hill. He was interviewed. He, he came out and said that the Chiefs approached him about a contract restructure, and he said no. He said, you know, once we negotiate a contract, that's it. I'm not dealing with it anymore. I'm here. I've signed it. Let's go. That's pretty much what he said. So, uh, yeah, Kansas City, look, I'm not saying they're going to be bad. They have Pat freaking Mahomes. They're going to make the playoffs. They're just probably not going to be the number one seed. Green Bay, get Aaron Rodgers some freaking help, man. Jeez. It's cool that you brought back Aaron Jones. So are you just going to trust Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling again? Clearly that didn't work. There's still the draft. There's still a draft. And luckily for them, there's been lots of wide receivers. There's going to be a few pretty good weapons, even at the end of the first round, that they can go grab. So step back, but still making it. Kansas City, Green Bay. My borderline teams that I wouldn't be surprised if they make it or if they don't make it. Cleveland Browns, Baltimore Ravens, Seattle Seahawks, and Washington football team. These teams all have glaring needs that won't be addressed or that haven't been addressed or they don't present anything special and or their division rivals are just making better and more exciting moves. The Browns don't really do anything special. Okay, they got a good defense. They got a good offense. Baker Mayfield, not a top 10 quarterback. 
They do have a great running game. But come on. It's a passing league. Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson. Great runner. Sometimes he can throw. But they're, they have no weapons. Okay? They're, they got like three pretty good tight ends. J.K. Dobbins is going to have a really good year as a running back, but I I really wanted them to go out and grab Juju or Kenny Galladay. For the record, they did offer Juju Smith-Schuster a contract, and he chose to sign with the Steelers instead. So that's pretty pretty worthwhile there. Um, For what it's worth, the Steelers also offered Juju a contract, and he chose less money to stay with the Steelers. But anyways, that's in the past. Um yeah, the Ravens need an X. They need an X receiver. Seattle. They did add Gabe Jackson from the Raiders to bolster their offensive line. I don't think that's enough to make Russ happy. Their defense, no pass rush still. Haven't done anything to fix that. Washington, good defense. They've got good offensive weapons. They added Curtis Samuel. They already have Terry McLaurin. Antonio Gibson had a good year. Hopefully he'll improve. But let's be honest. I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. But he's not going to lead these guys. He might lead them to the playoffs. He might. But it's 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 hard for me to confidently say that he will. So I have them as a borderline team, obviously. Again, borderline teams, the Browns, Ravens, Seahawks, and Washington football team. Finally, my last category, step back and out of the playoffs completely. Sayonara. See you later. Pittsburgh, Tennessee Titans, New Orleans Saints, and Chicago Bears. These teams all lost too much in free agency. Simple as that. These rosters are not the same as they were two weeks ago, a month ago. They're just not the same. Pittsburgh, they lost a bunch of defensive starters. They didn't lose T.J. Watt, obviously. They didn't lose Cameron Hayward. Uh, they didn't lose Minka Fitzpatrick. But today they cut their starting quarter, starting corner, Steven Nielsen. Uh, they, they've cut a, a few other defensive starters. I'm not going to lie. I don't know all the names because they're not big-name players. But a starter is a starter. They're losing tons of valuable snaps. On top of that, Ben Roethlisberger is a million years old. Their offensive line isn't what it used to be. I know they went 11 and 0 last year. That was impressive. That is not easy to do. I don't care who you are, but this Steelers team is not making the playoffs next year. They are the third best team in their division. They're not going. Other than that, Tennessee Titans, they lost to Dory Jackson. They lost Corey Davis. They lost, I mean, they Lost Jadavian Clowney. They're paying big money to Bud Dupree, a guy who does not deserve big money. It sucks to say because I like the Titans. I love A.J. Brown. I like the coach, Mike Vrabel. But I just I don't know if I see the Titans making the playoffs next year. Going over to the NFC, New Orleans Saints. They lost a ton of defensive players as well. Sheldon Rankins, gone. A few linemen, gone. Uh, the... They did uh, franchise tag their safety, Marcus Williams, but on top of that, they lost Drew Brees, one of the greatest leaders in the league. I don't know who is there to step up and lead that team. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints don't make the playoffs next year. And finally, the Chicago Bears. 
They should not have even made the freaking playoffs last year. I'm still upset about that. That last spot should have went to Arizona or Minnesota. That oh, I was I was so bugged that the Bears went. They're a horrible team. They really are. They really really are. Uh, they were a horrible team last year. They just lost Kyle Fuller. They might lose Akeem Hicks. They lost Mitchell Trubisky. Andy Dalton and Nick Foles are going to be fighting for the starting quarterback position as of right now. So we'll see what happens there. But the Bears, regardless, are going to be one of the bottom feeders in the NFL. So that's that. Out of the playoffs, Steelers, Titans, Saints, and Bears. I just want to wrap up with this. Um, I never got around to talking about it a whole lot, but, well, I, I, I mentioned it a little bit last week. I talked about Juju signing with the Steelers, even though he was offered more money from the Ravens and the Chiefs, both playoff teams, both really, really good teams who could have maximized his talents. He would have had huge years with those guys. But here's the problem is those contracts were both multi-year offers and the Steelers is a one-year deal. I think there, I think it was a longer deal, but the the rest of the years are voidable, so it's kind of a trick. Same thing with the Taysom Hill extension. Everybody was freaking out, saying, "Oh my gosh, they gave him a whatever 140 million dollar contract." Taysom Hill's so good. No, those are voidable years. They're they don't count. It's a it's a tactic to create uh, salary cap space. It's not a real contract. It's an illusion. That's uh, that's what the Steelers did with Juju. They it's it's essentially a one year deal worth eight million dollars. So, here's why. Last week I talked about oh yeah Steelers aren't getting or receivers aren't getting signed because of how good receivers have been coming out in the draft. You're not gonna go want to pay Juju Smith Schuster ten million dollars a year when you can go draft somebody who is similar in ability. We'll say this. He's 80% as good as Juju for 20% of that price. Does that make sense? So Juju, knowing that, and on top of that, the salary cap is lower. The salary cap was way low this year because of COVID. So Juju knows that, okay? He knows that I'm not going to get $16 million, $16 million a year like Kenny Galladay is getting, okay? I'm not going to get that. Not in this market. He took a one-year deal with the Steelers so he can be a free agent again next year and make more money when the salary cap jumps up because of the new TV deals. Smart move by Juju. Lots of people criticize him because he dances. You know, I'm not going to lie. I criticize him a little bit too. But I think it's almost been a year since I played him in Madden. And I'm not going to forget, he's a nice guy. And he knows what he's doing. He's smart. He knows he's got a brand. Whether it's an army of people who love him or an army of 12-year-olds who follow him on TikTok, he's got a brand, and he's smart. He knows what he's doing. Juju Smith-Schuster will be a free agent next year. I'll be very surprised if he returns to Pittsburgh. But that's that. We'll end on that. That is all for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in live every Tuesday and Thursday night from 9 to 10 p.m. Or find me on Anchor and Spotify at CE Sports. While you're at it, go follow me on Twitter or Instagram 
at C. Esparza Sports. This is CE Sports live on Thunder 91. Catch you next time.